Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show, hosted by Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we will show you how to operate and invest in real estate syndications successfully while having W-2 income or another business that you operate on a full-time basis. We will learn from experts all things pertaining to real estate syndications. Here at the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show, we choose to focus on financial security, not job security. Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show. I am your host, Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we choose to focus on achieving financial security through real estate. And today we are here with Sean Dwyer. Sean leverages his 19 years in IT and executive leadership to manage Golden Oak LLC. He specializes in mobile home and RV properties. He is also an active member of the Pennsylvania Manufactured Home Association and he stays at the forefront of industry trends. Sean holds a BS from Drexel University and an MBA with honors from St. Joseph's University. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Sean. Eric, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely appreciating you coming on to the show and I'm looking forward to the conversation and you unpacking some of the experience that you've accrued along the way. With that being said, if you could share a little bit more about yourself and also how you got started in real estate, that'd be excellent. Sure. So I started in real estate similar to everyone else, right? So buy a single family home. Uh, for me, the first home I bought uh, was my grandmother's when she passed away. I bought it from my aunts, my uncles. And that home needed to be gutted all the way down to the studs and ultimately all the floor joists replaced because of termite damage. So I, my first one, it was a very major uplift upgrade to absolutely everything. So I'm a DIYer by network. So everything in the house that I could do, wanted to do, I got to buy a new bunch of new different tools. Uh, so that's how I got it first involved in real estate. Um, always loved doing fix and flips. There was actually a entrepreneur class that I took over at St. Joe's during my MBA where the business, you know, fake business that I started as part of it was essentially a way to get people involved with owning single family, multifamily properties, but to do the renovations for them and then ultimately sell those properties to them. It was a business idea I had. I just never did anything with it. I didn't, <laughs> back in uh, when I was in school, back in 2007, 2008, I didn't think there'd be a ton of money in real estate over the course of time. And why was I wrong? <laughs> 2007, 2008, if you would have jumped in right after that, you would have made off really, really well. So but hey, you know, they say the next best time to get into real estate is today. So we definitely need to not try to time the market and just be a buy and hold investor and watch the property cash flow along the way there. Okay, so if we could unpack some of the things that you shared, you jumped into real estate by buying your grandmother's old home. It was a deep rehab was there anything that you learned along the way that kind of contributed to you really wanting to go deeper into real estate? Yeah, honestly, at first, it was more of just a love of just doing the rehab and turning something that needed some work into something that looked modern and state of the art. So over the course of time, you know, my wealth, my, my wife and I bought townhomes, condos, fixed them, renovated them, and ultimately did more buy and hold strategy. Uh, and then when I started looking at, you know, what do I want to do to supplement my income for when I retire, you know, 20, 30 years as I'm fully invested in my W-2, seeing the stock market crash over multiple times in my career, dropping by a third 
back in you know the late 2008 2009 and then during covid time in 2020 i said you know this is okay for me right now because now i can just continue to invest in it over the course of time i can buy more shares because it's cheaper but what happens in 20 30 years when i'm ready to retire and that same exact thing happens and a third of my net worth of everything that i had in my 401k is just gone so i said okay i need to do something a little bit different what can i do Look, could I buy more single family homes? Could I buy more townhomes? And just seeing what it would cost for down payment to buy two, three, five homes, it's pretty extensive. It's going to take years to do that. So then I started to listening to different podcasts of what was out there, uh, a lot of the Bigger Pockets podcasts, and I got into listening to the mobile home ones. And for some reason, that one just clicked with me and it made so much sense. So that's the area that I started to focus in on on the commercial side. That's great that you made the pivot so quickly because a lot of individuals, they stay in single family forever or, you know, multiple years, five years, 10 years. And then they come to a realization that it's just a challenge to scale. So hats off to you for making the decision so quickly there. If I could, let's point to and let's shine a light on you mentioned that you have an extensive IT career field background, and so you leverage some of those abilities and skills, but you also have been investing along the way while you're working your W-2. What kind of techniques and tactics do you use in order to be able to buy properties? And just like you own a mobile home park, you was able to take down a mobile home park, I believe, was it this year or was that last year? It was September of 2022. 22. Okay. So how were you able to work your W-2 and buy a large mobile home park? Yeah. So for me, you know, I'm full-time W-2. I have, you know, 40 or so people that report to me through either direct reports or, you know, multiple managers. So I have a big team, big responsibility. So there's a couple different ways people can get into the industry and everyone has advantages and disadvantages for their situation. For mine, I had a little bit of time. COVID helped out with that a little bit because I wasn't traveling to and from the office all the time. We weren't seeing family and friends just because everything was locked down. So for me, I use that time a little bit differently than most. I didn't binge on Netflix movies and TV shows. I leverage virtual assistants to do a lot of the digging work for me. So I would find all the properties. They would find the owners, owner contact information. They would build out my database lists. And I would utilize people to do some cold calling for me, to do direct mail marketing. Um, I would talk to owners at nights or weekends during my off time. So for me, it took a long time to break into the industry because I didn't have 40 hours, 50 hours a week doing this full-time because I already had a full-time job. So uh, for me, it was leveraging that time during COVID when everything was locked down. That's when I decided to pivot and build a little bit of a side business. Good for you because there was a lot of people, they didn't capitalize on that downtime. <laughs> you know, yeah. the world came to a screeching halt and you had ample amounts of time to be able to invest in one way or another. A lot of people chose to binge or stare into the TV into hours. And so that's good that you made the investment of building your business. And so in 22, you was able to take down your first property. Could you share what did that look like? How were you able to get the deal under contract? How were you able to raise capital? And what has it been like since you took down your first deal? Sure. Uh, so for me, I got into the industry maybe similar than some, but a little bit different strategy. 
than most. So for me, as part of COVID, uh, there were online conferences that were happening, but you weren't traveling to them. You weren't taking planes, driving, everything was just virtual. So there were conferences that were going on in the mobile home industry where anybody that was part of a panel discussion, giving a presentation, some sort of industry lead or industry expert, I reached out to every single person and tried to get, say, 15 to 20 minutes of their time just to connect with them as individuals and see how I could potentially break into the industry, whether it's finding a deal, wholesaling it to them, partnering with them. And over the course of about 18 months, uh, myself and my current business partner now have a pretty good relationship because anytime we got... I got to park pretty close to under contract, talking with somebody, going on site, driving through with them, building that relationship over time with that owner. When we were ready to negotiate, he would jump in and help out and look for any pitfalls as part of the community and help out with that negotiation. So for, for me, it was finding those owners, driving the parks, building that relationship, but also building the relationship with my current business partner who has almost, I think it's almost 30 years of experience he has over you know, 28, 29 mobile home and RV parks all across the country. Uh, great guy, great industry expert. That's great. So you're leveraging partnerships and other people's experience and expertise to be able to take these parks down. Was this a broker lead or was this a co-call? How did you get the lead for this particular property? Yeah, so this was just cold calling. So um, talked to this one owner years ago, and he said, you know, I'm interested in selling. He said, if you see my park, and it was about three hours away, so I don't drive every park that's within three three hours of my home. I said, no, I haven't yet. I looked at it through Google, like Google Maps. It looks like a nice layout. So the park looks great. He's like, great. Let me know when you go and see it, and then we'll talk. So that weekend, I woke up, I think it was like 4, 4.30 in the morning, because we had kids' soccer activities and kid activities that day. Uh, so I drove all the way down to the park that Saturday morning. As soon as the sun rose, I was pulling into the community, had the camera, drove through it just to get a good visual for it. Called him back later that afternoon, said I drove it this morning. Let's talk. At the time, he wanted a little bit too much for the park, for what the lot rent was, the number of lots that we had at the community. It just didn't make financial sense to purchase it at that time. So waited a couple of years. Um, Cole called him again. You know, build up that relationship over the course of the, that year, year and a half, just calling them every two to three months and then following up with them. And then another day, he was like, yep, still ready to sell. Here's the price I need to get. And a couple lot rent raises after that, um, it was good to go. It, it made financial sense and it penciled out for myself, my business partner and our investors. So you nurtured that lead and that's key. That's pivotal. If you're going to make some progress, if you're going direct to seller and if you're Building relationships with brokers, you're going to have to cultivate those relationships if you're going to be able to get a leg up on the competition or have the seller or broker want to do business with you. So great job. You were able to syndicate this deal. What were the challenges of that? I know this was your first deal, but your partners were well familiar with taking out many different assets. What did you learn along the way? Yeah, so this one was pretty cool. This was actually a loan assumption. So uh, when we first started looking at it and we first started talking to the owner, you know, before we purchased it, at the time, interest rates were like three, three and a half percent. In this particular one, the park was under contract for and had a loan still fixed rate for like 4.2%, which seemed like such a high interest rate at the time. Looking back, it's a great interest rate that we're still locked in until 
I think it's 2031, 2032. So we still have another eight or nine years of 4.2 interest rate for this wow. particular park. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this one was a good one. So this one was like a Fannie Freddie, Freddie loan assumption, great interest rate. Uh, so I got to see underwriting that the the um, uh, the banks do and the lending institution does for someone who they don't even necessarily need us, right? Because they already have it locked and loaded with the current owner. So they have no incentive to give it to somebody new. So going through those hurdles, those challenges, providing all the due diligence paperwork for myself, my business partner doing the same. Uh, so that was pretty interesting going through that process. And then just raising capital with friends, family members, since they were all brand new to you know, real estate syndications and buy mobile home communities. Like the one common question or a common statement that I got from a lot of friends and family members are, why are you buying a trailer park? <laughs> what are you doing? Are you crazy? Yeah. I said, nope, <laughs> not crazy. This is a legitimate business model. You're providing affordable housing. You know, where else in the country can you pay four to 500 bucks a month and get water, sewer, and trash included in your taxes? It's like, it's, there's nowhere else. So this is the most affordable, most reasonable housing that you can have for people in lower to lower middle incomes. Mobile home parks are gold mines. And it once was a, a secret, but there's tons of people that know about them at this point. I know our recent transaction, which was right at about 12 months ago or something close to that, we're achieving year three projections within 13 months of actually owning this park. So it's just a phenomenal opportunity. And we are doing a great service to individuals that need affordable housing because there is a shortage and there's a great demand for people that need that level of housing that can afford that that 500 or that 350 or that six to 700 dollar rent so yeah that's awesome that you guys were able to take that down how many units was this mobile home park sure it was 81 for active lots there's a single family home in the front and then there were five vacant lots that we're filling right now okay great and that brings me to operation so is there anything that popped up outside of due diligence now that you guys have actually owned the property since 22 did anything occur outside of what you guys saw in due diligence and what you were predicting would actually you know come to pass within the park sure the only challenge that we've had so far are just consistently getting contractors to show up when we need them when they're supposed to be there and then honestly it's just getting back quotes from people that's been the one thing that was surprising as a challenge for me. So one of the items that you know my business partner always stresses is, you know, it's great to do rent increases and see those projections and meet all your projections to your investors, but you always have to give back to the community. So one thing we started to do this year are put in brand new driveways for doing it in a phased approach over multiple years. So if anyone had a dirt driveway or a light gravel driveway, putting in a brand new asphalt driveway for them. Yeah, that's amazing. And as far as management, what strategy and how are you guys implementing a property manager? Sure. So we have, uh, we had, at the time we had an onsite manager. Uh, we moved on and we have someone that lives relatively close to the community. So that way she's not necessarily ingrained in the the day-to-day talking and gossip stuff that some managers can unfortunately be holding to as part of a community. Uh, so you have an impartial person coming in the community enforcing the rules that are outlined within our lease. Uh, 
Uh, so she's there, say two to three days per week, you know, two to four hours per day, processing checks, talking with residents, answering questions, dealing with any issues that come up, uh, calling contractors as needed, as required. This particular community, it's a great community. It's, I say, 95% double wide. Um, like I said, it's pretty much 100% full. There's a couple lots that we're filling now. They're all tenant-owned homes except for one home. So there's not a ton of contractors that we need to necessarily work with. We don't need a maintenance person. Uh, doesn't snow down there very frequently. It's just a little bit of lawn care, lawn maintenance. Once we sell off these five homes, we're actively working with the county to do expansion on this property. So we can comfortably fit another five to eight homes and about two acres in the front. Uh, the only hurdle that we have to overcome is figuring out the sewer usage if the township has any available capacity or going with septic. Uh, there's some laws that we're going to have to navigate through to see if we can do either. Uh, but at least for the space, we, we have that capability to launch it. Uh, we went through uh, and we, I went in front of the county, did a presentation for them. Uh, they didn't have any particular issues or questions. They tentatively gave us a green light. We just need to figure out the sewers. All right. That's good. And so last question on the park and the transaction. What is the business plan? Is this a buy and hope forever or are you guys going to do a three to seven year buy, you know, come in and turn it around, bring it up, get it as efficient as possible and then sell? What's the business and the exit strategy? Sure. Yeah. So like we always tell our potential LPs when I meet with them on a weekly basis, I said, we want to hold these things forever. You know, mobile home communities are slowly diminishing across the country. Affordable housing is not going away anytime soon. So we want to keep these as long as possible, 15, 20, 30 years. Uh, if you have a good area, a good asset, there's really no reason to sell it. Yeah, great strategy. I think that's very intelligent to hold on to these properties because they are not very easy to find. And they're being gobbled up is, I mean, on a high ratio there. So yeah, good for you guys. You guys are doing a great job and it sounds like you got into a really great investment. Sean, we've got a portion of the show that we like to call our Moonlight Coaching Round. And during this part of the show, we ask a few questions. If you could hold your response to between one to two minutes per question, that'd be excellent. Sounds good. What do you think every new real estate investor should know before investing in real estate syndications? Yeah. So for me, it would be figure out your goals. You know, ultimately, what is your strategy? What it, What do you want it to look like five years, 10 years down the line? Don't just buy into something just to get started, just because you heard it on a podcast, you read a book, and you just want to do something. Just make sure that whatever you're jumping into ultimately aligns to the strategy of what you want your life to be in five, 10 or 15 years from now. Yeah, great suggestion on that one. Next question is, knowing what you know now, what kind of advice would you give a person attempting to get where you are within their real estate journey in regards to balancing business and life? What would you encourage people to do as they're building their business up in relation to making sure that they spend time and put enough attention on their business and also put attention on the various aspects of their life. Sure. Yeah. One thing that I picked up along the way, I don't know if it was a podcast I listened to or a book that I read, but it said, you know, we all, we all have 24 hours in a day. And I caught myself doing this a lot where I would say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. So one thing that I started to do in my personal life and my business life is rephrase it and say, I'm not prioritizing that. Now if that sits well with me and it doesn't hit me in my heart and I know I'm okay with it. 
then I'm good with it. If I say that and I don't have time for that to go play with my kids or teach them how to do something, and I rephrase that and say, I'm not prioritizing that, that one hurts. And that one I will fix and that one I will address. Yeah, just hearing you say that, it actually cut me right. <laughs> just actually hearing that, that penetrated me. So great suggestion. Next question. If a person had no cash and experience, what would you recommend a person do to become an active syndicator? Or get out and find a deal. If you can find a good deal, find um, you know, a good asset in a good area, good location, and you, you will definitely be able to find a partner and or capital to take it down. So find that deal first. Okay. And what is the best way for a GP, a syndicator, a person that is a prospective syndicator, what's the best way for them to connect with limited partners? Yeah. So I've honestly started to use LinkedIn a lot. So I know a lot of business professionals are out there using LinkedIn. So I'll write articles, I'll do posts, I'll write them on the weekends and I'll just schedule my posts out during the week. Um, so I'll do like three to four posts per week. It's just real estate terms, different ways to get into commercial real estate syndications, just trying to put out additional content for what is you know your retirement plan, what that looks like, what that strategy looks like, and just some things that you might not even think about. Like I didn't know about real estate investing in these syndications four or five years ago. And I'm everybody I talk to, no one knows that they can do it. Well, everyone's like, oh, I don't have money and I don't have cash to do it. Okay. Do you have an old 401k from a company? Do you have an IRA? You have money. You can invest. You can use that from a previous employer to get into it. There's a lot of different ways that people just don't think about because they're not involved with it. Yeah. Even inheritances, you might've inherited some cash along the way, or you may have equity within your house. There's so many different ways to capture capital to be able to invest in these alternative investments, which is a real estate syndication. So yeah, great answer. Last question, Sean, what are the best reasons to invest in real estate as a passive investor? Can you name some benefits or a benefit of a person that if they wanted to come in and invest passively, what kind of benefit could they incur from being a passive investor? Absolutely. Yeah. So depending on the asset and the business plan that you would want to talk with the syndicator on, but typically you would see some sort of cash flow coming in. Think of it like a, a stock dividend on a quarterly basis. You know, that's one consistent way that you'll be getting paid. Another one is doing cash out refinances, a non-taxable event for when you put additional debt on the property. And then that cash is distributed out to the GPs, the LPs. Again, and it's it's not like you can go out and buy some Microsoft stock. Yes, you get a dividend. Yes, it appreciates. But Microsoft doesn't ever give you like half your money back or all of your money back a couple years in and still allow you to cash flow and still own that stock. Uh, that is the power of commercial real estate, specifically mobile home communities, apartments, self-storage, RV parks. There's a bunch of them that are out there that are great asset classes. Yeah, real estate has so many benefits that people just haven't discovered. And if you just do a little bit of diligence, you will uncover a lot of great opportunities that's found in real estate investing. So, hey, Sean, great answers to each one of those questions. As we wrap things up, we always like to have our guests share a great business or personal development book. Do you have any recommendation for the Moonlight listeners? I do. Uh, there's been a one that I read recently, you ever hear of something called The Introvert's Edge by Matthew Pollard? I have it. 
No. So me, I'm a natural introvert. You know, there's extroverts. So you always see as like your traditional salespeople. But as part of this book, Matthew Power goes over and just gives you a guide and different strategies that are tailored more towards introverted individuals on how you could actually outshine some people that are extroverted. So introverts naturally want to sit back, listen instead of talk more. And they like having systems and strategies for different processes and and how to ultimately sell and network with people. So that's a really good one that I found valuable for myself and when interfacing with other owners and operators that are out there. That's great because introverts can be extremely successful. I know in the syndication field, I've been concentrating on apartments a lot and there's tons of introverts that are absolutely smashing the syndication arena. They're doing phenomenal. So you can be extremely successful and be introverted at the same time. So, hey, great book selection and great recommendation for the Moonlight audience. Sean, thanks for coming on to the show, buddy. You have provided us with significant value. It sounds like you guys hit a home run on this property that you took down back in 22. I know you guys are going to do some great things in the future. If someone wanted to connect with you, do you have a preferred method for them to contact you? Absolutely. You can visit my website at goldenoakrei.com. All my information is on there. You can book a call. Uh, If you have any additional questions about syndications, that is the best place to go. Look for some additional resources, podcasts, and connect with a call for me. So website is the best way. Okay. Guys, definitely uh, reach out to Sean. I've been connected with him for the last year or so, and we're connected to a mutual friend and a colleague that's highly respected. So you'll definitely be in good hands with Sean. Sean, once again, thanks for coming on to the show. We'd love to have you back anytime. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show. Please make sure to give us a five-star review, subscribe to this channel, and please share this podcast with someone else. Until next time, let's keep pursuing financial security, not job security. We'll catch you in the next episode.